From time to time, we let the uh, guests do their own introduction, uh, just so I don't miss anything. So uh, go ahead and give us a brief introduction on yourself, my friend. Uh, well, this is Dr. Irv Ehrenberg, uh, published under I. Kaufman Ehrenberg, M.D. The book is Killing Vincent, The Man, the Myth, and the Murder. And I'm sure most of your listeners believe that Vincent Van Gogh committed suicide. And this book pretty much gives you an alternative explanation that he was murdered. And it's backed up by uh, detailed forensic evidence, uh, 21st century forensics, based on the 19th century limited information that we have about his death. The website is killingvincent.com. That's www.killingvincent.com. The book is Killing Vincent, The Man, The Myth, and The Murder. And uh, Irv Arnberg joins us today here in our broadcast. Now, um, tell us a little bit about this book. It's, it's, it's an incredible read. Well, thank you. Um, it's uh, hard to describe briefly. There's a fairly extensive... Uh, coverage uh where do you want me to start i guess I well can, uh, well uh we've 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 got a great guest with us today he joins us live killingvincent.com is the website check out killingvincent.com the book is killing vincent the man the myth and the murder so uh tell us about the writing process for the book well i got involved with uh vincent oh 30 years ago uh as a as a writer, I was a ear doctor, uh, the ear part of ear, nose, and throat, and my special interest and expertise was in Meniere's disease. And I uh, had done all some work with Vincent uh, because he had, based on his writings, uh, he wrote extensively. There were seven hundred ninety-six extant letters uh, that you could review, and I read them, and they were like a diary. He almost wrote every day to his brother, his sister, other artists, and he said everything in there, what he was doing. He made sketches of his art, and um, he had uh, basically... I could make a diagnosis taking a history from him clinically from what he wrote, and he described his attacks. Everybody knew that Vincent had these attacks, and it was attributed to epilepsy in the 1880s. That was the diagnosis. But with modern tech, you know, assessment, he had an inner ear disorder called Meniere's disease, which is episodes of violent vertigo with hallucinations of motion and uh, ringing in the ears, pressure, fullness, and intermittent hearing loss. And he had these and was described in his letters. So I made the diagnosis that Vincent had Meniere's disease and not epilepsy. And that was the cover story and the uh, special communication for the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, very prestigious medical worldwide journal. Um, and that was published on the 100th anniversary of his death uh, 
uh, within one week of his death. On purpose, it was held back for publication to that uh, anniversary. So um, I guess you might want to know how I got to to that. Uh, I had a patient, uh, an artist, who had Meniere's disease, and I was doing a surgery on her to fix her problem. This was back in the day when you went into the uh, hospital the night before there wasn't day surgery. Uh, and uh, she was like 23, 24 years old, and she was pretty nervous. So I uh, mentioned to her just sort of casually that, you know, uh, she was the surgery was most likely going to help her. And unfortunately, as an artist, she would appreciate that poor Vincent Van Gogh might have benefited from this surgery uh, if it was available. But she has the she would have the benefit of that. And she said, oh, no, Vincent had epilepsy. And I said, no, Vincent had uh, Meniere's disease. And we went back and forth. And finally, she became a co-author on that JAMA article. So that was my early basis with Vincent and publishing. That was 30 years ago. And I had an active practice, and but I never really believed that Vincent committed suicide back then. Now I'm retired, and I uh, started rethinking about that, and I spent the last year and a half writing this book and documenting it. And I realized that the only way to really prove that Vincent was murdered was to eliminate the possibility that he committed suicide. So by proving that it was impossible for him to commit suicide and self-inflict this wound, he had a penetrating wound in the left upper quadrant of his belly, his abdomen, um, which was attributed to a gunshot. Now, it's interesting that nobody heard a gunshot on that day. Nobody witnessed the uh, event. There was no gun found, no bullet. And this was, he was alleged to, wherever it happened, this was a very small town called Auvers-sur-Ouis, about 20 miles northwest of Paris. And... Um, he walked back from wherever the mortal wound occurred back to a small inn in the center of town. Nobody saw him until he got to the inn so that nobody knows where this event occurred. He was able to do this and climb 17 stairs to his garret bedroom, climb into bed, seemed very calm, lucid, and uh, asked for his pipe. Very little information is known, and it's all very conflicting. The few stories that uh, uh, appeared at the time and subsequently revisited are often in direct conflict with each other. There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of uh, cover-up, 
as to what really happened. So um, what I was able to do in order to try to prove that he did not commit suicide was um, a revolver was found in a wheat field near Ovir where he was supposedly tried to commit suicide or was murdered and the museum holds Phil Vincent. This is a museum in Amsterdam. Vincent um, could have done this, but in order to do that, you have to understand that the gun was a, uh, they said it was a seven millimeter Lafouche Revolver was probably the most common pistol in Northern Europe in the last half of the 19th century. The uh, these guns, black powder, pin-fired bullets, and black powder. You need to realize is significantly different than what is today smokeless powder. Black powder is the same thing they fired cannons with, explosives. And they were very dirty and very high in residue. Less, well, less than 50% of the powder is actually burned. So there was a lot of residual powder. The um, powder burn then is very prevalent or prominent and none was described in his wound and so and Dr. Vincent DeMaio who is a world ex forensic expert uh, in 2013 wrote a letter in support of the idea that Vincent did not commit suicide and this was just a letter to uh, Stephen Nifa, another author on uh, the life of Vincent. Um, and so he started this evidence based on forensics. He just analyzed the description of the wound and said that it was impossible for a right-handed shooter or a left-handed shooter to self-inflict such a wound and went through a fairly extensive three-page description of that from a modern forensic expert's perspective. This uh, resulted in a lot of uh, discussion among the art historian experts, <clears throat> and uh, the, the question wasn't fully resolved. So what I did, and it's covered well in this book, and their videos, because uh, the videos show this best on the website. Uh, they will be on the website in the next week, I believe. So uh, what I did was I, I bought a Lafouche 7mm pinfire revolver, essentially the same... Um, Essentially, the same uh, <clears throat> gun, same model, 
that the uh, museum claimed was the gun that killed Vincent. I also bought a bunch of vintage pin-fired uh, 7-millimeter bullets, which are fairly rare. But they're the vintage ones. These are, they're not new ones. And I also got FBI ballistic gel, and I set up forensic studies to simulate and to recreate the injuries that Vincent sustained. And basically, my conclusions are that it was, well, confirmed what Dr. DeMaio had already described, was that it was impossible for Vincent to have committed suicide. He had this penetrating wound in his belly that ultimately led to his death. If, in fact, he could not possibly have created that wound, then the only conclusion you can reach is whoever created that wound in him murdered him. So the long-standing story, history of Vincent Van Gogh committing suicide is a myth. And um, what I tried to do in the book, besides approaching this from a whole bunch of different aspects, describing his life and other medical issues that he had, <clears throat> which many have attributed to the reason he committed suicide, which turns out to be incorrect. It all becomes moot in the sense that whatever medical issues he had, if he didn't kill himself, uh, they didn't cause him, they weren't the cause of his death. So we go through all of that aspects, uh, and then you get to the point, well, if he was murdered, then who did it? So we go through the persons of interest uh, in detail and also uncover aspects of um, romantic um, aspects, which are, I don't want to give you the whole book, but I mean, we're talking about the possible honor killing. And uh, maybe you have a question. I don't, I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. We've got, a, uh, we've got a great guest with us today, Killing Vincent, the man, the myth, and the murder. And he joins us today here in a broadcast. Now, um, discuss the significance of the black powder bullets and the absence of uh, power burn if a uh, self-inflicted wound is to be seriously considered. Give me your details on this. Okay, well, the powder burn is really critical because that's the only kind of bullets they really had. The powder burn is the explosion, and the videos are fairly dramatic. I mean, well, we have outtakes, single frames from the videos that show the explosion coming out the end of the gun, the, out of the muzzle from the barrel. Um it looks like an acetylene torch coming out of the end of that. So a powder burn was a real burn. And and if you look in the detail of the videos, you can see red-hot pieces of the powder not completely burned as it moves into 
the gel. And we put a cotton shirt over the gel to simulate what he was wearing. Um, and the powder burns will burn uh, uh, roughly two inches of the cotton. And you can see the edge of it as it burns from the bullet hole to where it finally cools off and leaves this uh, on the shirt. Does the same thing on the ballistic gel. And uh, so the powder burn is carbon black. It's not brown or purple or anything. What was described was a, a bluish purple ring around the bullet hole or around the penetration injury because no one heard a gunshot, no one found the gun, and the bullet, which is absolutely critical, you need a bullet and a gun forensically, um, is, could be still in Vincent, but we don't know that. And we can't really say that it was a gun that killed Vincent without the bullet. So it's possible um, that the penetrating injury was caused by a knife or a screwdriver or a ice pick because that would fit the same description. And the fact that Vincent walked back from wherever he was was not bleeding very badly, was able to climb the stairs, there was no shortness of breath, no coughing up blood, no lung injury, um, and calmly smoked a pipe for the first hours. He should have been taken directly to Paris, okay, less than 20 miles away where there were war-trained surgeons from the Franco-Prussian War in the hospitals. That was the state of the art of medicine at the time. He wasn't taken to Paris. And part of the real focus of the book is why he wasn't taken to Paris. And there's a chapter in the book said why it was um, impossible for Vincent to have been taken to Paris alive. And there might some very significant information. Um, so the powder burn is really critical. And the powder burn was used then forensically because the person could tell approximately how far away the person was from, um, well, the gun, how far away the gun was from the uh, point of impact, point of injury, the entry wound. And so it was very useful. And the fact that the description was fairly detailed, but it had zero mention of anything black. There was no powder burn. And also of interest is there was no exit wound described. So all those things could equally fit with a, with a knife wound as well as a bullet wound until someone produces the bullet. So there, therein lies another side of the mystery. We've so got the powder a, burn is really critical. The yes. absence of the powder, powder burn, I'm say, I guess, is what I'm trying to say is really the critical missing piece. And without the powder burn, Vincent could not have gotten close enough, could not have shot himself and pulled the trigger without leaving a powder burn. In other words, in our studies, you have to get 18 to 24 inches away to just get... Um, 
what they call spe uh, uh, speckling, stippling, to show. Um, and so you have to get more than that distance away, and that was the conclusion of Dr. DeMille. And it's interesting that there's mention of the police officer, Rigamone, who said that the uh, injury was uh, several feet away. And there's an interesting, uh, a wonderful movie. I don't know. It should have won an Academy Award. It was nominated, but it didn't. It was called Loving Vincent. And Loving Vincent was made in uh, Poland and the UK. And it was an animated movie showing taking almost a hundred of Vincent's paintings and bringing them to life. And the people in the, in the paintings told the story. And part of the story was trying to figure out what happened to Vincent. And there was a very intriguing portrayal in that movie, which came out last year, 17, um, and was nominated for Academy Award and, uh, in the uh, in that area, but did not win. Anyway, the, in that movie, the Dr. Masri, who is would be a critical figure, uh, contradictory statement says by by a witness that Dr. Masri was never there. But in the movie and in some of the writings of Dr. Gachet and his son, um, the Dr. Masri character in this wonderful movie shows and, and tells the story that I'm supporting that it was not very likely that Vincent could have shot himself. He had to be shot at least several feet away from down low um, to up high and the book covers this all these aspects in great detail I tried not to leave any stone unturned and to really approach this and cover all aspects and leave any pre-existing biases at the door now, now that I've concluded these studies uh, I don't think I am that biased. I think I am uh, reporting what I found. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on Skype Audio. Killing Vincent, the man, the myth, and the murder. It is uh, absolutely amazing. It is a fantastic read. And uh, the book is killingvincent.com. Uh, I appreciate you making time for us today, Irv. I really do, my friend. Well, thank you. Well, uh, have yourself. I hope, uh, we've we've well, got. I hope that the yes. readers get a chance to go to the website because the website has the ability for them to participate in a forum where they can put down their thoughts and discuss this with other interested people. There's also a blog. Uh, there's also the videos. Uh, the book or the website www.killingvincent.com has the um, the preface, the uh, chap first chapter, and the entire table of contents on there, as well as the videos of the forensics in detail. So I suggest uh, they try that, sign up, and uh, 
participate, and I'd be very curious to see what they find out or what they think, because uh, hopefully we're going to change our history here. Definitely, definitely. Well, I appreciate it. Have yourself a wonderful day, and good luck with the book. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Definitely. Have yourself a wonderful wonderful day, too. I appreciate it, my friend. Bye-bye. There he goes. Irv, and uh, we are going to take a time out. When we come back, we have got more coming up. It is iHeartRadio. It is AMFM247.com. Tune in. iTunes and Radio Loyalty. 